Hello and happy release Friday. I am Sophie Catherine for the Change in the Narrative podcast. So excited to have you for today's episode, Amanda's Story. I first met Amanda Wonderland about four or five years ago as we were working as flight attendants. And from the minute I met her, I could tell she was dynamic and was going to change the world. She would eventually leave her job as a flight attendant and switch gears to becoming a clinical emotional freedom technique practitioner. It's my honor and privilege to share this episode with you. The conversation was so inspiring and just listening to all the changes she has made and the people's lives she's affecting was so inspiring for me. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you do like what you're listening to, it always really helps if you give me a five-star rating in the app and also go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you listen. It does help me to reach more people and grow the podcast even more. Without further ado, here is Amanda Wonderland. Awesome. All right. Once again, we'd like to welcome you to the Changing the Narrative podcast. I'm Sophie Catherine, and this next guest is so special today. We met um, as flight attendants years ago, and her story completely inspired me. And she's doing something so amazing with her life. She's completely changed her narrative. She's moving in a whole new direction of expansion and helping people um, through trauma and all kinds of different things. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. So hi, Amanda. How are you doing? Hi, Sophie. Thank you so much. It's so nice to chat with you again. Thanks for having me. My God, so much has happened since I've seen you. So I kind of just like, usually what I'll do is I'll just kind of start at the beginning. So if you're comfortable sharing kind of like origin story, because it kind of sets the stage for how you got into what you do now. So if you're comfortable sharing, like, you know, maybe take me back as far as back that you want to, like in your origin, like how you got inspired to do what you're doing now. Yeah. So let's see what I'm doing now is the emotional freedom technique. So it's a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure therapy and acupressure. So you basically tap on these specific acupressure points while you are telling your story or um, expressing your emotions or processing your trauma or whatever it is that brought you in. Um, whatever issue, whatever persistent problem, subconscious limiting beliefs, all kinds of things um, that brought you in. And then you basically expose yourself to those issues, bring in a contradictory experience, and then we just repeat. So it's based on memory reconsolidation within neuroscience. And the goal is to get your neural bundles firing, the ones that originally programmed these beliefs into your mind so that we can get in there and reprogram. So it's highly, highly effective. There are over wow. 100 clinical trials uh, proving its efficacy. And for me, I was dealing with um, persistent back pain. I don't know if you remember when we flew together. Yes. But for, oh man, two and a half years. It was just like, you know, you carry your little um, 20 inch roller board with you. And mine was <laughs> it's not the best for your body. <laughs> it's not, no. So in addition, all the work that we did with moving parts around and hauling luggage everywhere, but I filled my um, suitcase full of tools to deal with my back pain. I had foam rollers. I had acupressure mats. I, I remember had, this. Yes. It was awful. I was uh, just at my wits end and nothing that I was doing was working. Chiropractic, like nothing. Um, so I started exploring EFT and within like, I don't know, maybe three to four weeks, the back pain was completely gone. Wow. So it was trauma you were holding in your body. It was. And that's like the root of a lot of chronic pain. It is. And so EFT really, um, you know, 
values and honors the mind-body connection and how the body keeps the score. If you're familiar with that book mm-hmm. by Bessel van der Kolk, it's absolutely beautiful. So I just kind of was holding a ton of grief in my lower back. I lost my mother when I was 25. I lost my brother when I was 13 and I had just dealt with a recent breakup. And so all of that compounded grief was just sitting in my lower back. I wasn't taking good care of myself. I didn't have good self-care practices. I was drinking way more than I should have as a flight attendant. As you know, it's pretty- It's an industry-wide problem. (laughs) It is, it is. And you are definitely the weirdo if you're not down to go drinking on every layover. Absolutely, yep. So there was a lot of people-pleasing in there too. I was ignoring my intuition in order to be the cool girl. And I finally just realized that none of that was serving me anymore. And systematically with EFT, I eliminated those habits and replaced them with more empowering and fulfilling life choices. And it's just been an amazing journey ever since. I've just enjoyed every second of it. And I'm no longer a flight attendant. (laughs) And I get to do this full time. I get to help people tap into their highest selves and their best lives um, by working through, by acknowledging and honoring their traumas and writing a different story for themselves. That is amazing. I just remember when we flew together, we had such similar narratives that we had grown up in. Um, we did. We both the had the church. Yeah. Yep. yep. Lots and of church trauma. Systems, very um, patriarchal and fundamentalist. And yep. just, you know, I think it's so amazing. You found some to help you work through that and then help others as well. Because I think what I've been discovering through talking to so many different people is how much that holds us back. Because when you're raised with these belief systems, you kind of adopt them as your own. And then they just weigh you down and carry you until you can set them free. Mm -hmm. And so many of us hold that in our body, that trauma. And I know for me, like I had chronic infections for most of my life, like urinary tract infections and no doctor could figure out what was wrong with me. And one, I finally had a therapist say it's chronic stress. If you could learn how to control your stress, then these would go away. But unfortunately, not a lot of us are given tools Mm -hmm. from a young age to know how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So it's the work that you're doing is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say. I was just going to say, especially in the church, there's such a culture of selflessness. It's, you know, anytime you think about yourself or prioritize your needs or ask for help, it's a selfish act. And that act of people-pleasing, perfectionism, self-abandonment, all of that gets held in the body. The body will yell when you're not giving your mind, body, the love and attention that it deserves. When you are not getting the message that it's time for you to meet your needs and prioritize yourself, you're going to get an infection. You're going to get lower back pain. You're going to get hives. You're going to get something because your body needs you to pay attention. And you're also going to get drawn into codependent toxic relationships because you don't know how to set boundaries. You're taught to turn the other cheek. It really sets you up for a life of like emotional abuse and abandon of yourself. It does. It does. I agree. So there's a lot of healing that has to happen when you've experienced church trauma. And I want to be clear that not everybody who's involved in the church goes through these um, issues necessarily. No, not at all. Yeah. Sophie and I have. And so we're here to help people navigate their lives after. Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because that's what I'm hoping to do with this podcast is kind of bridge the gap and bring people from all different walks of life to share their experiences 
because a lot of people have very fond memories of growing up in church and they had a great family system and very, a lot of support. So it's fun to hear that side of things too. And I just, I want to create a space for communication where people can share without judgment. And, um, you know, personally, like I, I personally on a recent episode shared about my mental breakdown, which I actually had a psychotic break and that was hard to share, but I think there's so much power when we're vulnerable and we open up and share those things because it allows other people the space to share their Mm. triumphs as well, you know? Yeah. Like, um, Marianne Williams says you liberate others to do the same. Like it's, I'm I'm covered in goosebumps right now because I do find it so expansive when other leaders and people who seem like they finally have their stuff together, share their story because it expands my idea of what's possible for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do that for others. I feel like a lot, one of the biggest questions I like to ask is, I think all of us have this moment where we want something more and we feel a shift within ourselves towards growth or a stirring that we're here for something. And I was like, I didn't go through all of this just to be here and exist. Like I've gone through this journey for others. And so I'm guess I'm curious as to when you kind of felt that spiritual awakening within yourself, did you do something bigger? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful question because that's actually um, who I've been called to serve mostly is people who are experiencing an awakening of some kind where the life mm-hmm. that they're currently living is no longer serving them and they're waking up to their magnificence and what they're truly capable of. And generally, I have been finding that that involves a level of spirituality as well. So for me, um, you know, I also had a very similar like mental breakdown and was hospitalized when I was 14 and 15. My brother died when I was 13 and being in the church, I wasn't really allowed to grieve him. It was very much like, are you questioning God's will and smile? Jesus loves you. And, and I was sad. I needed to be sad, but I suppressed all of it and, you know, glued the smile on my face. And by 14 and 15, I was ready to end my life. And I tried twice to end my life and ended up in hospitals. And that was when I completely just ripped the rug out from underneath my spirituality. My relationship with my higher power was severed. I basically divorced that Judeo-Christian God and I became an atheist. And I tried to hold that together for a few years, but the bottom line is I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. So it was, (laughs) it was ready to bounce out of me. So I've kind of been grasping at straws ever since then, trying to connect again with my higher power, trying to redefine who I am spiritually, like in college went crazy with philosophy and tried all types of different, you know, religions and sects. I tried, you know, Taoism, which I absolutely love. I really got into objectivism with Ayn Rand and I love, you know, different parts of Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and Christianity and kind of just created my own little hodgepodge. I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was there and it was kind of what I believed in, but it wasn't a part of my life, especially when I was a flight attendant, because I was just so busy trying to numb the trauma with alcohol, um, that my spirituality just kind of took a back seat. So I think it was after my last breakup 
That was about five years ago when I started experiencing the back pain. And as I started tapping and working through everything that was held in my body, I realized that I was the common denominator in these relationships that I had where I was self-sabotaging because I didn't feel worthy. I was dealing with my disorganized attachment style. I was anxious and avoidant. I was <laughs> pushing and pulling. And I, I, I just, oh my God, you know, it was me. It was me. Yep. I had to take a long, hard look at it. And in doing so, I met my inner child. I started to nurture her and meet her needs. I stared hard into my shadow, all the things about myself that I had repressed and denied. I started integrating that into the whole person that I am now. Recently, I've started really digging into ancestral trauma. And so those are kind of the three steps that I really start with my clients who are navigating a spiritual awakening. We nurture the inner child, we integrate the shadow, and we release the ancestral trauma. And then after that, we can transcend the ego and open the heart. And I love that. That's, that's the order that my spiritual awakening came in. And I would say it officially began about five years ago after. That's amazing. And, you know, I'm guessing it's probably pretty cathartic for you as well to help people work through things. It's probably like completely expanded you beyond what you, I feel like helping other people probably is helping you heal as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a symbiotic relationship for sure. And there was no way for me to deny this calling, like the synchronicities and the signs and the people that were being brought into my life. Like people I flew with as flight attendant were calling me and saying like, look, I'm going through an awakening. Like, please help me. I can't oh my drink God, the alcohol I love that. anymore. Yeah. yeah. You get All to a things. point where you can't tolerate those outlets anymore yeah. because it doesn't align with who you are vibrationally. Exactly. at all. Exactly. And yeah. And I think that's so great. So, and it's always funny how the universe aligns things. Like I, I, you know, I call it like my divine guides or the universe. Like I always feel like there's this amazing light leading me and, yeah. and it, once you're in that vibration, you're supposed to be aligned with things just kind of fall into your life yeah. without yeah. trying. It's like allowing, you're not forcing it. It's just coming in effortlessly. Yeah, you're matching that frequency. And so yeah. I've just kind of learned finally that success is completely energetic. Yep. I can work, 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 work. But if I don't believe that I am worthy of success, I'm just going to keep hitting my head up against the wall. So yeah. when you can finally do enough high vibe activities, bring yourself into a place where you're in authentic joy and inner peace, then the showers of manifestations and blessings just start, you know? Absolutely. And I think also too, I, so I had a, a situation where I met someone that I really do believe was my twin flame yeah. and it sent me into this tailspin. Um, I kind of started like an Ascension Kundalini awakening and didn't really know what was happening to me. Um, wow. And I didn't have a lot of support because that it was like a couple, it, the twin flame thing is kind of a big deal. Now people talk about it. But back then I didn't even know what, what it was. I woke up in the night and like heard a voice tell me what it was. And then I discovered oh. it. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God. But basically I just was so head over heels for this guy. I completely became codependent. It took me on a, a roller coaster ride. He was engaged. Oh <laughs> I my didn't goodness. know it. it oh no. But it sparked something in me. It's one of those things where I was supposed to meet this person because I didn't believe in past lives none right. of it. I was like a heaven or hell girl, like very black and white. 
Um, But I'd started to open myself up a little bit more. And when I met Mm -hmm. him, I knew him. It was the weirdest feeling. And I, and that's when I started to have like psychic visions and dreams. And I was, yeah, it was like this huge awakening for me. Um, But I short circuited. (laughs) And then that's when I ended up at the hospital. Oh, was this recently? This was after my divorce, like in the middle of my divorce. Yeah. Um, And I was like, why, why did I meet this person? at this point in my life, you know, mm-hmm. but when I tell you that the way it ended, um, I had to die to my ego because what ended up happening was I became so, I was so enlightened and I was so spiritual and I knew all <laughs> things, you know? And then I realized, wow, like, yes, I was having like an amazing awakening, but right. at the same time, I, I, my ego was completely inflated. I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk to anybody unless they were on my level. And boy, did I just kind of fall and crumble and, and like realize, wow, like I need to relearn everything, but it was such an expansion and growth. But for me, that's when mine kind of started was in that timeframe. And I'm so thankful. And I'm, I, I'm like, I was, it was like, I died to everything I'd ever believed about anything. And I had to kind of figure it out, you know? And I think you kind of have to come to that moment where you're like, none of this is fulfilling me anymore. Like, I don't know where to go from here. And, and that's when you really start to align with your purpose. I feel like, yeah, it's very disconcerting though. And that in between from who you used to be and who you're about to be, it's like your whole, your (laughs) self-concept die and you're just in this vacuum. So I make sure that my clients have a very compelling vision of the future of this different version of themselves, of their higher self. EFT is very much about getting specific. What can you see, taste, smell, feel here? Like getting really into the details. So we paint a really clear picture of the life that they want to live and of the person that they want to become. So that when they're in this in-between, there's less like, I don't know where to go. (laughs) Well, see, where were you when I needed you, Amanda? I know, (laughs) I know, I'm here now. I know. No. And it's so inspiring. Like, I feel like I, I, it's so funny because I feel like we follow all the same people on Instagram. Like every time it's like Amanda Wonderland follows Mark Rose and Terry Cole and Byron Katie and all my people. Those are my home people. Those are like my favorite, like the create the love podcast has been such an inspiration. Mark Rose podcast, like that works because I realized how codependent I was. I didn't even realize all the toxic traits I had. It's like, it brought me to a new level of self-awareness. That's why I think this work is so important and we're here to be light workers and healers and to help. Like if you feel that calling, like that's why it's so important what you're doing because you're helping people with that awakening within themselves really harness that because we need that. We're in some like chaotic times. We We really are. are. We certainly are. And I think post COVID, since that was a global um, trauma, And I don't care what anyone tries to say about that. You know, there are four characteristics of trauma. It's basically that your expectations were violated. Um, It overwhelmed your capacity to cope, leaving you feel very, leaving you feeling very alone and isolated and therefore powerless. Right. So those are the four characteristics of trauma. Every single one of us experienced that in COVID. Oh, and as we know, yeah, when you start paying attention to your traumas, when they just rise up to the surface, they all kind of come. So I think we're all just, I mean, as, as we all know, mental health has just gone nuts since COVID. It's almost impossible to find a therapist these days, you know? So we're, 
it's as societies because it's global we are like deciding that it's finally time it is time to pay attention to what's going on inside of us and i think the the isolation that everybody went through i mean my boyfriend still talks about not being able to see his grand grandfather when he was dying because of you know he might have he might have had an exposure so he had to you know go into quarantine he still cries about that i mean he still feels guilty and i'm like it's not your fault. Like it was what was going on. You know, you were doing the best thing you could for your family at that time. But like, we were also isolated and kept from one another. And, you know, and I think now we're dealing with the psychological aftermath of everything, yeah. you know, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, there was so much fear and everyone was scared and they couldn't connect with loved ones. And, yeah. but, but it also like, I don't know about you, but for me, it was a time where I could take time off from work for the first time in my life. Yes. Yeah. And I took off two months Mm. And that's when I decided to leave my ex-husband. I, mm. I never had time to sit still and think. And it was like this huge, huge moment for me to realize, wow, like this is not what I want. Right. And it's because it was holding me back. It was one of those things where, you know, when you get this feeling, this intuitive feeling where you just know you need to do something Yes. and you're that fighting gut. it. Yep. <laughs> Yep, I sure I do. Like, I need I need to leave this relationship and I knew it, but the divorce and the condemnation I knew I was going to feel for breaking away from that system was so hard, yeah. but I couldn't get away from my intuition. Yeah, no way. And if you did, if you tried to, your body would have rebelled. Your oh, body yeah. would have manifested some type of symptom to make you listen to your gut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious yeah. too because I see that you tie yoga into yeah, your practice. I do. I so do. how does that work? So like I mentioned at the beginning, um, the transformation sequence that we use in EFT is based on neuroscience and it's based on memory reconsolidation. So they basically used to think that our brain was hardwired and it was not going to change once you're like past 36 or something like that. When your prefrontal cortex is completely developed, that's it, you're done. And then we started realizing, oh no, like if we vividly re-expose someone to whatever it was that they were experiencing at that time, those neural bundles fire up and they become labile, which means we can change them. Yeah. The way that we do that is by presenting a contradictory experience, which in EFT is tapping on these points, but also smothering it all with self-love. So for instance, for your boyfriend, you know, still sad about losing his grandfather in that way, he would tap and say, even though I feel really guilty that my grandfather had to go in that way, I still deeply and completely love and accept myself. And if that's a hard thing to tap into, he could just say, I am open to accepting how I feel. But just bringing in an acceptance statement on top of that vivid re-exposure and then repeating it allows you to retrain those neural pathways. So what I do with yoga is very similar. We do what's called pendulation, where you go from an upsetting event to a safe space of calm upsetting event, safe space of calm. And so that's what I do. We start with child's pose, go to your safe space right now. Imagine everything, feel the temperature on your skin, listen to the sounds, see what you can see, get into that safe space, which is a really great resource for anybody, anytime. Yeah. Feeling triggered to be able to go to that. The body remembers as soon as you imagine it, the body starts to calm down, your nervous system regulates. And then I'll have them hold a posture where maybe they're balancing on one leg. Okay, tap into that upsetting event. What does that anger feel like in your body? 
You know, let's really get into that fire of those neural bundles, switch to a different position, go into the safe space. So that's kind of the style of yoga that that I've invented for my women's retreat. I I know. I was like, we can do this. We can use this with yoga, get some somatic therapy in there too. So moving your body. And then I also do meridian yoga. So that's like working on all the meridians in your body, like the stomach meridian, the gallbladder meridian, the bladder meridian, which all hold different emotions. Your stomach holds the fear, the liver holds the anger. So we just go in and manually stimulate them as we move into our yoga postures. And in that way, clear energetic blockages in the body. Wow. So I'm curious, like, so now that you're doing this, I know you live a very cool, unconventional life. Like (laughs) you always have. I remember when I met you years ago, you were like living in a camper and doing your own thing. And I always thought that was so cool. So like, what does a typical day look like for you now that you've, you've created this reality for yourself clearly. And it's so (laughs) awesome. And I love to see that. So I'm just curious as to what a day looks like for you. Thanks, love. I absolutely adore it. An ideal day goes like this, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes things came up, come up. But an ideal day, I wake up at six and I have my coffee and I meditate, waiting for the sun to rise. And then around 6:30, as the sky starts lighting up, I go for a walk along the lake on the gravel beach, barefoot, so I can really connect Ground. to Mother Earth. Yeah, yep. yep. Definitely. And then I spend that time watching the sunrise, listening to the birds and really just getting myself started for the day, knowing that I'm going to be of service to others, trying to get myself out of the way and also protect my energy while allowing my higher power to channel through me. So that's like my intention setting in the morning. And then I'll enjoy a nice smoothie or whatever. And, um, and my sessions start uh, at 10 a.m. and then they end at 6 p.m. And I've just been so fortunate to have all of my slots filled and I have some amazing clients and I get to be a mentor um, for the school that I got my certification from. So I'm meeting with my mentees and grading their practice session notes and meditating in between. Right now I'm helping flip some RVs at my RV park where I live on the lake. <laughs> and so yeah, in my spare time, I get to do some cleaning, which is like one of my favorite things to do is playing house. So I get to like <laughs> go into a new spot and clean it up. And um, yeah, so I live minimalist. I live tiny because I'd rather spend most of my time outside anyway. And then when I'm done with work, I go back out for a beautiful walk and the sunset and spend time with my loved ones. And it's really a charmed life. I'm so grateful every single day that I get to live like this. But you're also like, you're, you're in alignment with what you should be doing. I feel like when we're actually doing what we're supposed to be doing, it feels like magic every day. And every day. Yeah. I feel like, how has your community shifted since you've switched into this? role because I know like when you are in kind of a low vibration frequency the people that you're attracting aren't necessarily the people that you attract when you shift your vibration so how has that changed for you in your life yeah good point and that's something that I talk about with my clients too as they go through the spiritual awakening the body starts rejecting the things because there's a morning there's a morning process because you're not resonating with the people that you used to and it's not like Mark Grove said something like last week he was like it's okay if people don't want higher enlightenment. It's okay if people don't want the same things we do. That's okay. Some people want to just go to work and go home. You yep. know, they don't care. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But when you feel called to something different and you want to understand, you know, psychological things and understand the human mind and connection and relationship, like there is this calling. So when you make that shift, it does affect your, your circle, your people. So I'm guess, yeah, it's just back to that question. You know, I just wonder how like it's shifted for you. I've almost forgotten about how hard that part was, but it was excruciating. Just to be clear, most of the work that I've done to get to this point was pretty excruciating. But <laughs> oh, I hear you. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. But every bit of it was 100% worth it. But I had nine months off during COVID. And so I was by myself in my little camper um, an hour north of Seattle, doing this work, being stuck with myself every day, really <laughs> trying, you know, like just journaling, meditating, walking, trying to do my best to not drink and take care of myself. And I just one by one started detoxing my relationship. Those that yep. no longer served me, we no longer had anything in common. I didn't want to complain about my life anymore. I didn't (laughs) want to be codependent. So that was one of the hardest ones. My best friend and I had to separate for about two years. Thankfully, she kind of went through her own spiritual awakening in that time. And now we're totally back together. And I'm going to spend a month with her in November. I can't wait. Yeah. In Australia. But yeah, that was the hardest. I was completely isolated for nine months. I had yep. zero, zero friends that entire time. And it was rough, but I knew that it was better than going back to what I had left. Yeah. I did not want to continue getting drunk and talking about things that no longer mattered to me. It was right. all 3d. And I probably went through that spiritual ego phase too, a little bit, or I was like, okay. Oh, I just like, I remember saying to my aunt, like, I don't want to be in 3D. I want to be in 5D. I don't want to deal with this. She's like, um, you can't do that. You have to stay with the rest of us. And I was like, no, like I'm and boy, do you when you fall, do you fall hard? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. You get to go through a whole new ego death. You <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. Dark night sure. of the soul. So I much know. shadow work. So what started happening though, is that that vacuum in my life was gradually filled one by one. So I started having tapping partners and we would do swap sessions. And those people were on the same journey as me working hard to overcome their traumas and limiting beliefs to rise into their best version. So now I have this amazing community of tapping people And then I also just manifested my own little family tribe, like my family of six people (laughs) that we just see each other as much as we can. We go to spiritual festivals together. We have merged hearts and souls. Like I love that. um, Egoless in each other's presence. And so, yeah, I mean, I had to go through really, really dark night of the soul all alone. Yeah. Um, And I still feel like, you know, I even went through a dark night of the soul this last December, you know, but I had the support system to be there to help me through it. And so it was a lot easier the second time around. I kind of think it comes in waves sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is so amazing. Honestly, I just think the work that you're doing is so powerful. And um, I'm so excited that you listened to the calling in your life, because I feel like we all have moments where we know we're supposed to do something. And when we actually do the work, the inner work, we can really help others as well. So I'm really inspired by what you're doing, Amanda. I think it's amazing. 
Thank you. So, I'm so inspired by you, Sophie. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The healthiest relationship of my life. I don't think I was ready for this love at any other point. Um, right. I was an anxious attacher all the way, would mm. chase love, never really felt like I deserved it. And yeah. it took like a mental breakdown and completely starting over to realize like, it's okay to like, let that old belief system go and move yeah. forward. And it was so humbling because my whole life had been about performance. You know, my, my family, we had to keep up appearances and look a certain way. And it ended up with me being naked behind my apartment building like that with the cops coming. That's how my story ended. So, (laughs) but it was really just the beginning, but it was like, Mm -hmm. I didn't care anymore what anybody thought about me. I think in that moment I wanted Mm -hmm. to be naked, like, because I just didn't, I didn't want to be responsible anymore for some type of image or facade I was like fuck all of it like I have to be myself so it was a death but it was a rebirth and and I woke up I would say nine or ten months ago at 3 33 a.m and I was like (laughs) I'm supposed to start a podcast and the name just came to me changing the narrative and I I love it my boyfriend and I was like I'm supposed to do this work and I know it and you've been someone that's just been in my mind for this because to me, you are the epitome of what this podcast is about. I mean, you've done the work, you've, you've listened to the call, you've, you know, worked through your demons, you've changed generational curses mm-hmm. to do what mm-hmm. you're doing now. Yeah. And this is, this is how things shift. This is how people heal. Like, right. you know, we should be wanting to help each other heal and support. No one is above anybody else, but yes. this work is so important. Yes. Agreed. And I I think it's really important to say that if you and I can do it, anybody can do it because (laughs) I, you know, I know that's a limiting belief of some people that are like, Oh, that's for them. You know, I don't, I could never do that. You and I used to sit (laughs) in kind of the same predicament in our jump seats with our jump seat confessionals. And I never connected with another flight attendant more than I did with you. And we both, to be honest, were just kind of growing too big for the uniform. Oh, absolutely. That's where I'm at now. Yeah. 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 Like it's time to to shine a little brighter. And the reason I became a flight attendant was all obviously for the travel benefits, (laughs) but also like I needed to know that I was making a difference in the lives of people. Always, every job I've ever had, I needed to know I was making a difference in the lives of people. So I was like, surely I can be that beautiful light on the plane. I can smile and be kind to my customers. And the truth is because I wasn't doing any any of my own inner work, I didn't have any energetic boundaries. I didn't have any protection. And I took on all of my customers, anger and hatred and powerlessness (laughs) and, you know, everything you feel from going through an airport experience empath, and- empath like empath problems hashtag that yes is like that I, is, know. I sometimes leave work and I am utterly drained I can't even like yeah. move you know and I think that that's right. the unfortunate part about it is it's like well you know these customers sucked let's go get drinks oh we laugh it right. off like you know and it becomes yeah. an outlet where everybody just kind of uses that to self-soothe but we're not really dealing with yeah. the issues when we do that we're just kind of stuffing them down and they're going to come back at a later yeah. date and yeah. I've recently like cut way back on drinking and I've been really trying to challenge myself to to deal with the pain when it arises instead of stuffing it down and I had this right. moment where I got triggered and I was like with Matt and I was like I just want wine he's like what's going on and I had like this huge epiphany a text triggered me, but it had nothing to do with the text. It was what it represented. 
because there was this friend that she always wanted me to do, um, which is fine. She wanted me to always take a COVID test before I came and saw her baby, even if I wasn't symptomatic. Okay. And it just brought back the whole, like, I never fit in anywhere. I always felt like I had to do certain things to be loved, especially in my yeah. the cult that I was raised in. And I just right. had this huge cry session and Matt held me. And I was thinking mm -hmm. if I had run to that wine, I would not have processed this trauma. Yes. And it had nothing to do with my friend texting me. It was what it represented. So I think if we can allow ourselves to sit and feel, yeah. it's so hard, but you feel yeah. so good after. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that our triggers are our treasures. When you feel that desire to reach for whatever it is that you've used to soothe yourself, stop for a minute, tune in. I like to put my hands on my heart, close my eyes, tune in. What is it that I'm trying to soothe right now? What is it that I'm trying to avoid? And then taking the time to show myself some compassion for having that trigger in the first place. Yeah. Starting to journal, starting to tap, starting to meditate, starting to move, do whatever it is that you need to do. Diaphragmatically breathe. Do something involving your body yeah because that's going to help you really process the trauma as you go through it but yeah, yeah these these triggers are our treasures and what you're doing is thought interrupting right which is one of the most powerful tools when you really start to reprogram your limiting beliefs and your negative tapes for you to hear those because most of the time we're so identified with them we don't even hear them they're just the right. truth for us yeah but as you start to grow you become the observer you become the listener and you start to hear sometimes the awful, awful things that we say to ourselves. And then you interrupt that thought and be like, what would I say to a three-year-old yeah. who's feeling the same way? I would yep. never talk to a child the way that I talk to myself. Right. And that's yep. the first thing I do with my clients because I think you can't heal without some level of self-love and self-compassion. Absolutely. That's what soothes, that's the true soothing that alcohol and drugs and busyness and TV and sex and material objects, all these things that we use to soothe ourselves, they're all very temporary, but self-love, yeah. self-compassion, self-acceptance, those are the long, long lasting um, soothing yeah. ways to soothe yourself. Yeah. Coping <laughs> mechanisms. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to bring this to a close, but I want to, I always end my podcast with a couple questions. Okay. Okay. So what is your favorite quote? I know that's oh, a hard one. <laughs> no, it's a very, very easy one. Oh, and okay. I used to have it memorized, but I don't anymore. So if you'll just pardon me while I look it up. Yeah, um, no, that's completely it fine. Is my absolute favorite. I actually have had it um, in my car, like printed out and in my car for a good 12 years now. So um, it is Marianne Williamson and it is, um, let's see if I can find the whole quote here because this is just a part of it, but it is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate and you'll have to hold for the internet to load. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'll start over. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Mm -hmm. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, <laughs> fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? 
You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Wow. That is yeah. amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing quote. that. Yes. And then my second question is kind of a two-part question. So you can go either way with it. Okay. If you could go back in the past and change one thing, would you? And if you decided to do that, change that one thing, what would that one thing be? My past or the human past? Yours. I mean, it could be the human past if you want to. So you can take this I whatever have... direction you want to, because I'm curious to see what you're going to do with this question. Ooh. That's a tough one. If I could change the human past, I would have remained matriarchal, maybe in the mm. way, 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 way past. Yeah. That would have prevented um, the shift. Yeah. 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 Because I think that a society that comes from a more gentle, compassionate, loving community. Um, yeah focus is a healthier society so yeah. that's a that's a really loaded answer and I'm yeah. not going to go into it any further than you don't I just have to. did you don't have to um, I just like to tie it all together at the end because these yeah. are questions I feel like they're challenging but each person has a different response and I just find it so interesting yeah, yeah yeah I did go into my own past and changed it I had one regret one regret when my mother died at 25 I was not ready to deal with it yeah I quit college and I and I came to take care of her in the last three months of her life but I still hadn't really grieved my brother I was still very avoidant with her and I wanted to go back and fix that and be kinder, be gentler, be more loving and be more present. Yeah. So I did. I did. I went into a deep hypnotic state. I used tapping and I recreated that memory. And I wow. truly believe that the way that time works, we actually have no idea how time, time works. Is valuable. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Totally. I think making changes in my present totally affects my past and totally yeah. like I just switched timelines because I feel such peace since I've done that, that regret that I was holding on to, wishing that I would have done things differently. I did do things differently. And I you do totally believe have. That, that my mother was there and yeah. feels the love that I now Aww. have for her. Yeah. I, Amanda, this has been so amazing thank oh. you so much for being willing to do this the work you're doing is so important I'm so inspired where can people find you so my website is just my name it's amandawonderland.com and you okay. can email me at info at amandawonderland.com and I also host women's retreats so we have one coming up our fall retreat in October 11th through the 15th is in Montgomery Texas Ooh. and it's it's so so cool Sophie I would love to have you there oh my yeah. goodness it's just the most powerful work so it's five days and four nights of yoga breathwork meditation EFT and my partner does astrology as well so she does birth okay. chart readings and stuff awesome. so we just spend 
those days completely saying yes to ourselves, rewriting our stories, nurturing our inner children, integrating our shadows, releasing ancestral trauma, building this beautiful soul sisterhood, and really just working through whatever persistent blocks are showing up in your life as you're working to up level, as you're working to revamp. So it's awesome. the most profound work. And you can find out more about that at wakeupweekend.love.love, wake up weekend. Yeah. Okay, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the Change in the Narrative podcast. You are the epitome of why I've started this podcast. And I'm so thankful for you sharing your journey today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sophie. I miss <laughs> you. I'm so happy to too. speak with you. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number five, Amanda's story on the Changing the Narrative podcast. It was absolutely exhilarating to have Amanda Wonderland on the podcast this week. And I was so inspired by the way that she listened to her intuition, how chronic pain in her body led her into a whole new career path where she really is helping people change their narrative. In the upcoming weeks, I'm very excited to share some more episodes with you with conversations with other people who have been so influential in their life, in their environments. And I feel like storytelling is so powerful. And when we open up and we share, that's really when growth and expansion happens. So please join in for the next few weeks and months and years as this podcast involves and grows into something very special. I'm Sophie Catherine for the Change in the Narrative podcast. Have a great weekend.